Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. What an exciting time to be here today. Uh, We are excited for Matthew as God is taking him to a new level of leadership, not only in our church, but in his family. We're glad to have his family here with us as well. And so today, uh, somebody asked me, well, what are we having for a sermon today? Well, I promise you, this is a sermon. And the greatest sermon about part of this sermon is that it has been preached by what God has done through the life of Matthew Franks. Now, God continues to raise a new generation of leaders in this church, thanks to the examples of those that have gone before us and those who currently serve. We can celebrate this new chapter in the life of Matthew Franks. We have seen Matthew grow as a husband, a father, during this year at Holman Park Baptist Church, his family's had the privilege of seeing him grow for many years. And it all started with him selling a phone to Andrea, his wife. Nana Faye worked her magic and played Cupid, put them together, then they got married, and then they had children. So, Nana Faye, thank you for all of that. But actually, it was God that brought them together since the very beginning of time. Matthew has been active in the life of the church and has been praying seriously about this moment for some time. This was not, hey, we need somebody, just, you know, will you do it? This has been years of conversations coming to this point. And now, he wants to take the step. He and Andrea prayed long and hard about this. And, and this is something that he and Andrea wanted to make sure was God and not their will or something else. They wanted to make sure it was for his life. And I appreciate the fact that he included her and the family and all of this because it may be a deacon position, but as you know, it involves the whole family. So now Andrea will be a deacon's wife, (laughs) and then Connor and Wyatt will be deacon's kids. Okay, so you've got deacon's kids and preacher's kids. Luckily, this preacher doesn't have kids, so you won't have to worry about getting in trouble, right? But over the years, there have been many understandings about a deacon and a lot of misunderstandings about what a deacon should be. So just to affirm him, we have we have the privilege this morning to participate in an event that impacts not only his life, but the life of our church. One of the two offices or positions that Scripture provides for the local church is that of the deacon. And today we ordain Matthew Franks into that office. You see, in the New Testament, the word usually for deacon translated means serve, which literally means through the dirt. It refers to an attendant, a waiter, or one who ministers to another. And so from this word, we get the English word deacon. Now, just so we can have a frame of reference, I'm not going to read the whole Constitution to you, but believe it or not, our church Constitution, which is the the letter of the law we operate by and are held to, these are some excerpts when it comes to a deacon. It says, Those selected shall be from among men of the church who have been members of the church for a period of two years or longer and who have proven themselves to have spiritual qualifications as set forth in Matthew Excuse me, in Acts chapter 1, or chapter 6, and 1 Timothy 3. And further, men elected must be active in the ministry of the church 
and participate through giving. You see, the leadership of the church brought Matthew's name before the church, and the church supported that nomination through a vote unanimously. So this wasn't just a preacher saying, hey, we got a slot, will you do something? This wasn't a deacon saying, hey, you know, we really need somebody. This was an entire church process. So even if you are not Matthew today, even if you're not part of his family, you as a church have voted to affirm him in this role. And so for the next few minutes, if it's okay with you, the let's take a look at what the Bible says about being a deacon. Let's look to God's word and see why this day is so important, not only to Matthew, but for our church as well. If you brought your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. And uh, the first point here is the need... For deacons spawn from a need for change. Believe it or not, the need for deacons in the scripture was not to keep the pastor in check. Believe it or not, the need for the deacon was not to make sure that everything was, uh, every decision was made about doing everything. We'll see why the deacon started. It says in verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Acts, but as the believers or disciples rapidly multiplied, they were there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily rations and distributions of food. So the twelve, the apostles, called a meeting of all the believers and they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So what we see here is we see the early church has got a great problem. It's growing. And then all of a sudden, those and this was racism back then. The, the full-blooded Jews did not look kindly on those that were half-Jews. In other words, they, they had some Jewish descent, but they also had some Greek descent as well. And so the pure Jewish Jews were disregarding and being mean to those that were not full-blooded in the distribution of the food. The truth of the matter is the Hellenistic Jews were experiencing the early church's inability to meet growing demands. And that's the same thing in the churches today. If we were to explode all of a sudden in growth, would we have the leadership to handle that? Or would we fall into this position right here? Because at this point, everybody was depending on the apostles to do everything. And they could not do that. There needed to be, and I know Baptists don't like to use this word, it's a dirty word, but I'm going to say it anyway, change. There need, the system was broke, they needed, it needed to be changed. Our system in America is broke, it needs to be changed. There needed to be a change. The Jews were coming to the disciples with every little problem they had. Hello, Apostle, did you know somebody dropped a piece of trash on the... The, the, the path to the temple this morning. Hey, preacher, did you know somebody was complaining? Did you know they say somebody's mad about something else? All of these little things, they were coming to them and coming to them with these things. But all joking aside, some of these things were very serious matters. But some of them were things that the apostles could delegate. Because here's the thing. Satan knew if he could keep the disciples busy with the problems of the physical... I'm hungry. 
I'm selfish, my pride, those kind of things. If he could keep the disciples busy with those kind of things, it would take away from their time in preparing for the spiritual. You see, the disciples knew that the only way to keep up with the growth was to find men to help them. Any organization will only grow as much as its leaders can carry the load. You ever heard of the term span of control? It used to be the most people one person control is seven people. Well, I did some research and I found out now that it is approximately one person can manage effectively 15 to 20 people. Uh, that is max. I don't think that would be ideal. But also... This means without leadership, every organization's growth will stifle more competent leadership. My biggest fear is, is that if everybody depends on me, the pastor, to lead and do everything, then we will only grow to what I can manage in a span of control. That is why we need men like Matthew stepping up. That is why we are blessed to have so many women serving in different areas of our church. We, I have never seen a church that had so many people have two, three, four jobs and doing them well. It is a blessing, but when it comes time, it's, we, we need to keep the doors open and we need to keep people happy, but we need spiritual leadership. The disciples' main focus was preaching and sharing the gospel. The needs of the people were not unimportant to them. However, they were things that other godly men could handle. They needed to delegate. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I have heard for years, as in my early days of ministry and on up until recent days, I have a hard time delegating things. It's my makeup. It's not that I'm a power-hungry person. It's not that I'm, you know, think that nobody else can do it. It's just most of the time I just try to take the hit so I don't have to bother anybody else. But I have learned over the years that I need to delegate things. And this is why it's saying here in Acts chapter 6, because here's the thing about delegation. Delegation is not pawning off what you don't want to do. It is equipping others to lead so you can do the things only you can do. So if I am delegating and I'm asking deacons and I'm asking people to serve in different areas of the church, it is not because I don't want to do it. It is not because I want to go and play on the golf course, which you know me, I don't play golf at all. But it's not because I want to have easy times, because there are certain things that only I can do. Now, if any of y'all want to come up here and preach and be the pastor, I'll gladly go do something. But the more time that, that I can spend in studying and prayer and witnessing hospital visits, home visits, phone calls, text messages, means I'm freed up to do those things to where other people can lead in other areas. That's where deacons came from. Also, even the best pastor in church needs godly men to help carry the load with them. Then we see in verses 3 through 7 that deacons are selected servants. And so, or some translations say therefore, brothers select seven men who are well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man who was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Oh man, if somebody could say that about us, right? 
Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminius, Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These men, seven men, were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they lay their hands on them, which we will do in one moment. So God messages his continues to spread. The number of people, believers, greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Now, when it says that they selected seven men, select does not mean that they said, hey, let me see a show of hands who wants to serve and do this. Or it wasn't one of those things where you have that meeting. Hey, who's not here today? Let's get them to do it. It wasn't one of those things. It means here to take a serious look. Some of you that are, are big into science and, and, and that whole process, it would be like putting this person under a microscope, finding out everything about them and find those who are set apart to lead, to take a serious look at, as if you're a parent looking for a babysitter or you're a, an adult looking for a caregiver for your loved one. That kind of look is what we're supposed to look at when we look for men to lead in our church. A man who pursues God. You see, just as God calls a pastor or a staff member to a church, he places men among the churches to lead them with the abilities that God has given them. In our church right now, God has placed the men and women we need to do what he wants to do at Homeland Park Baptist Church. It's just up to us to grow to the point to get online with him with that. Because a man who pursues God for the sake of knowing him, obeying him, and sharing him is the man of God that he will use to lead others. Leaders are, we see this in this passage, a leader is full of the Spirit. If you've ever asked yourself, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if that person is saved or not. I'll tell you what, the way you can know that you're saved is that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Not just a conscience but the ability to read Scripture and get stuff out of it. The ability to read God's Word and understand. The ability to sit in a pew for 30 minutes like this and hear me ramble on about these things and be encouraged by that. The ability to bear spiritual fruit, faith, joy, kindness, hope, goodness, love, self-control, those things. It doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means that you're bearing fruit. So a leader is full of spirit. They have wisdom. They're able to make good, godly decisions and take action. And that they're, they just don't, they're not just a rubber stamp committee. Or they're not just the power brokers of the church. You know, you've been in churches before. You know, that family and that church, you don't want to cross them. You know, that person, the way he is at work, you don't want to get, you don't want him on the personnel committee. You don't want him on the finance committee. All of these different things that we hear over the years about churches, I'm grateful that we're not one of them. But here we see it's not just the ability to say, I don't, I, I told deacons when I first got here, and I will tell every one of them in Matthew the same thing, and I may have already told them in our meetings, I do not want deacons that are yes men that will just do what I want to do. I will never forget. When I first started coming, you know, the running joke is it's pastors against deacons. It really makes me mad when I hear preachers tell deacon jokes. It's not funny. I have been in that pastor study back there over the years with many different deacons. And there are times where I come in there and I got my, hey, this is a great idea, guys. 
And then they'll say, well, what about this? What about that? I don't think so. And sometimes I don't like it, but the truth of the matter is I always learn something from it. When I remember men like Larry Black, I remember men like Robert Holcomb, Oliver Selman, those guys that have been here longer than I've been alive. And when I come, new preacher back then coming up with a good idea, um, more often than not, if they had concerns that I addressed, we, can, we addressed them in the room before they came out, and it always worked. And we always agreed that whatever happens back in that room, when we come out of that room, we are in agreement. I don't, I don't look lightly at deacons. They are not my nemesis. They are not my enemies. They are not my rubber stamp committee. They are my brothers in Christ that are called to help me do the will of God here and serve this church. There were seven men that were set apart among the church to help. You know, we can complain about things we don't think are right, but they have no merit unless we ask on them. So the practice of laying on hands was a Jewish ritual, meaning someone was being set apart for God's service. So when we have that in a moment, understand this is a holy moment. Someone has, has said, look, I, 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 am, I am ready to take that next step. Then we see in verse 7, preaching the gospel is paramount. That's what the apostles were trying to do. And then finally, deacons must meet biblical qualifications. Well, what does that mean? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, let's look at 8 through 10. First of all, deacons must have integrity. That is something that is in short supply today among people. It says, in the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith, now revealed, and must live with a clear conscience before they are appointed as deacons. Let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. Matthew Franks is here today because he has been examined. He has passed the test, and the people of the church the leader of the church, agree that he has been set apart to lead us in this next phase of ministry. Also, deacons must exercise self-control. In the same way, their wives must be respected and not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and his household well. And to of that, I would say there is no question about that. If you don't believe me, just ask Andrea. She'll tell you. This, and, and <laughs> this does not exclude men who are single or widow. Its purpose was to promote a man of purity, not promiscuity. And deacons must have a bold faith. Look at verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in that faith in Christ Jesus. So, that is what it takes to be a deacon. That is what we as a church and as leadership believe come part of this process. We hope and pray that that on down the road that there will be other men that will, will see this and say, you know what? That could be me one day. Maybe you're there here today and you're thinking, I'll never be that. Never say never. Never say never. Because God's called you here for a purpose. So with that, uh, we bring Matthew Franks before you. He has been voted on. We don't need to vote again. So we are going to ordain him into the deacon ministry of this church. So Matthew, would you come forward? And I believe, uh, are the boys coming out now? Okay, awesome.
What do you think? <laughs> Come on. Don't be scared. <laughs> I know you're not. Oh, my goodness. We're going to give uh, Angie a second. The boys want to, uh, to see their daddy up here, and I can't think of a better way, a better sermon for them to see than that. So, you know any good jokes? Just <laughs> no. pass the time. All joking aside, uh, this is a solemn moment. This is a serious moment. And uh, it is one that we have been praying for for years. I remember, and some of you in here will remember, me and a few little old ladies and a few little old men would be in a room. And we would pray. When, when they first brought this young, I was young at the time, when they brought this young preacher here, they would say, Preacher, we just want to pray that God will bring young people into our church. And you know what? He has. Starting at about the seven-year mark, we saw God doing things that we could not imagine. Now we have some of those younger people that have been serving, and they are the veterans. And they'll be praying pretty soon, God, bring us some younger people. <laughs> but <laughs> so, so we got the family here. What a beautiful family. All right. Well, Matthew, I've, I've talked with you about what we're going to do here. Basically, I'm going to read some statements, and he is going to affirm that by saying, I will. And hopefully he will affirm that by saying, I will. And then uh, we will have a portion for us to partake in as well. Okay, take your own pew. All right. Matthew Franks, my brother in Christ, you've been elected by the vote of the church to serve as a deacon. This is a great responsibility. Will you accept this calling to promote the interest of the church, assist the pastor, minister to the hurting, and proclaim the gospel to the best of your ability? I will. Will you affirm your allegiance to Jesus Christ, the Bible, his holy word, and his church? I will. Will you... Accept the office of deacon in this church and promise to faithfully perform the duties as required in this office. I will. Will you promise to work with the pastor to further the interest of this church in promoting harmony and effective ministry within all of its areas? I will. Amen. Well, now, congregation, you're a part of this process, too, because you elected him. You have placed your faith in God, that he is the man for this. So it is up to us. It is not the deacons just to serve us. We are to build these deacons up. This young man, believe it or not, the Bible tells us what a deacon is, but he's going to have to experience that and figure this out, right? Kind of like being a father. You know, you you think you know, but you don't know, right? <laughs> and so those of you that have served as deacons, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So as the congregation, I ask you some questions, and I would like you to affirm with, we will. Okay, congregation, will you, the members of the church, acknowledge and affirm our brother, Matthew Franks, as a deacon today? Will you hold him in high regard, encourage him, pray for him, and cooperate with him as he performs his duties as deacon? Well, then, Brother Franks, I now charge you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, to strive to fill your office as deacon to the best of your knowledge, and that you will seek God's guidance 
in all your work. Let's pray for you. We're going to have a moment now where Matthew's going to come down to the the floor here, and we've got a chair here. And we're going to do, as they were saying, the laying on of hands where we lay our hands on him and pray for him. And so if there is an ordained man here today that would like to come up, come forward and pray over him and pray with him, uh, you are welcome to do that. And whether you're a deacon in the office or you've served as deacon or you may be a deacon or a pastor somewhere else, you're welcome to come and do this. (laughs) 